0: What you're about to hear is the alien episode of the Science Night Podcast, but with a distinctive lack of audio fidelity. Could it be that our intrepid hosts got a little bit too close to the truth and the U.S. government tried to silence us by lowering our audio quality? Or did one of the co-hosts turn their metronome on for the entirety of their recording, so that we had to use the Zoom track? One may never know, but submitted for your approval is Season 4, Episode 3 of the Science Night Podcast, An Alien Invasion. in connection to Science Night. Please stand by. Welcome back to another episode of the Science Night podcast. My name is James. And with me as always is Steffi. Hey. And Jason. Hello. You know, just like one of the greatest bands of all time, Nickelback, said, it's been a while. But we're back And we're going to talk about aliens. So, tonight, we're talking about an ancient alien in Mexico. And we're going to finish up with some alien anthropology. We got so much out-of-this-world content to talk about tonight. So, let's get to it. Back in September, Jaime Mousen... Presented the Mexican government with the biggest find in the history of humanity We haven't talked about it sooner because it was just so ground-shaking that we had to rid recover from it What he did was give the world indisputable proof of aliens and Specifically aliens that have been here for a thousand years. This confirms everything that that weird ancient aliens guys is saying and honestly, like, I kind of wish I could end the story here where we have proof of aliens being on Earth, but I gotta be a responsible science communicator and ruin this beautiful story about ancient aliens with like proof and stuff. So, obviously, this is a hoax. This is like the standard hoax in the history of hoaxes. It turns out in the country of Peru, where these aliens were allegedly discovered, they knew this was a hoax for a while because notes from a previous investigation of these bodies determined they were basically an art project consisting of different animal tissues held together by synthetic adhesive. But I think what we actually want to talk about is like the bigger implications of this story because what came out is that something on these aliens, these alien, I'm doing scare quotes for the audio only crowd. Something on these aliens dated to a thousand years old. So that means that someone is sourcing very old organic material from something. So that's great. And then secondly, this story picked up so much steam because the initial hearing took place in the Mexican Congress in front of the Mexican government which is giving this like a whole lot of legitimacy. So we can talk about so many different angles, like who owns the past and we shouldn't be digging stuff up out of the ground that's a thousand years old and then like pasting it together with other stuff to make it vaguely look like a little alien. And also like, man, we could talk about disinformation, misinformation and, and pseudoscience as well. So team Sinai, let's shake off the cobwebs and get right into this aliens thing. What are we thinking?
1: So the pictures look pretty, I don't know, wild? I don't know how to describe it <laughs> i mean look... most people have probably seen it already
0: <laughs> yeah they remind me because they're little they're little guys right it reminded me yeah. of the men in black the men in black aliens inside the big robot people yes yeah and
1: then mummified right
0: and mummified
1: yeah so i think for me that was pretty wild because normally you don't think of aliens being mummified Hmm. so that was pretty wild and yeah. then i questioned their carbon dating methods And the validity of those because and i need to look into this in more detail who did the carbon dating did it actually happen Mm -hmm. did they actually do the carbon dating for that because anytime you bring something forward especially to a government agency that gives it some kind of legitimacy like people have done their due diligence before it gets to that point and so that was pretty wild
0: right that's the th- so right. Like there's two ways to think about this. If the carbon dating was also falsified, then it's just a bigger part of a hoax. And you know, yeah. who, who really cares then? But if it wasn't falsified, like why do they have thousand year old organic material? What are they doing? I did consult an archeologist, uh, Madeline McLeister, who is a postdoctoral fellow at Dartmouth College. And she's like, I mean, I can get you a thousand-year-old material. That's not hard to do. So it's all about how you give it to the person that's doing the dating.
2: Yeah, you know what sort of threw me for a loop was that the carbon dating was done on a skin sample, right? And it was a skin sample that was not taken by the scientists themselves, but was provided to them to then oh. measure, which I think is what you were maybe alluding to, Steffi, yeah. right? It's like you yeah. really did it. Did it really happen? Yeah. It's clearly like like the brain case was described as belonging to a llama, but having been deteriorated, right? I mean, this sounds a lot like yeah. a, the famous piltdown skull, right? Mm-hmm. Although it wasn't a llama in that case, it was a a human and a, I think a, an orangutan jaw, right? A human brain case and an orangutan jaw, Yes. Um, which made it look very primitive, right? And so, you know, it was a big hoax in the 1950s. Is that right? Yeah. It only set back like biological anthropology
0: for like 200 years
2: right Um, so the question is how much is this going to set back alien studies right uh i mean i think maybe uh not too much as it turns out um you know we got a llama brain case we got skin that might be a thousand what throws me for a loop though is they didn't do any carbon dating of anything but the skin right yeah and knowing that there's a llama skull (laughs) involved in this or at least what looks like a llama skull why wouldn't it also be carbon dated right i mean Mm -hmm. seems to me like that would be the next step is to see whether or not the skin and the skull match because that can tell you a little bit more about the history of this hoax
0: well i think we also have to look at like what they're trying to say finding proof of aliens a thousand years ago in this specific region of peru this is like where the nazca lines are it's already a hotbed for alien folk Um, But what they're really trying to say is that the people who were the humans, the indigenous humans of Peru, who were very much there 1000 years ago and for a much longer time before that, uh, weren't capable of doing the things that are there. That seem so amazing to us that people are like, well, aliens had to have done that because Mm. they're incredible. Not that, you know, people are also equally amazing and have been for the entire history of our species. And are capable of doing that and that pops up all over this whole ancient aliens thing uh
2: pops up all over the place you know james just because you don't think that the great pyramids at giza were a landing pad for a space shuttle oh no that one I, that one i buy okay yeah <laughs> now that one's true i saw
0: the document doesn't mean Stargate. the rest of
2: us right the rest of us can't at least enjoy some of this uh
1: what yeah, is it There are also cavities for making microwaves to beam into space i think i heard that too
0: Sure, there's that. Um, I believe, I believe, uh, the documentary Assassin's Creed Origin taught us that it was the leftovers of a precursor race of humans, so not aliens, just like the gods that were here before. There you go. And then there's, you know, the Stargate explanation, yeah, which is, uh, I guess, you know, MacGyver was involved. I don't know, it's been a while since I saw Stargate. It's
1: been a while since I haven't seen
0: seen it in a while either.
2: Can we also talk about what this little little guy looks like? Because you know, I got to be honest, the face kind of looks like Thomas the Tank Engine. Yes, kind of. It doesn't look real. There we go. There's like a
0: full body, right? It looks like an art project. Oh, for sure, it,
2: it looks, looks like, an very much like an art project. Like
0: an art I have done, right? And. In a world where so many versions of this exist, like you talked about the Piltdown Man and you talked and we can, you know, mention like those concrete angels, concrete giants, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But also like, uh, Tahitian mermaids are a thing that exists. And we know that tax, like you can buy a jackalope anywhere in the Southwestern part of the United States. Like this is something that's not that hard to do is just paste a bunch of animals together and make it look Uh, aesthetically pleasing like this isn't even a good version of that but it got into the halls of congress in mexico which gives it so much credibility
2: can i say something that might not might not surprise you sure i'm surprised this didn't make it into the u.s congress first there you go yeah
0: the one thing that the united states has like tried kind of hard on not so hard in some instances to like stop antiquities from just going across the border real uh fluidly so that could be part of it um maybe but, but like this
2: got... is exactly the kind of stupid story sure. that i can see a bunch of uh members of congress falling for yeah yeah no i'm saying i think it's the like reason... a certain
1: subset who wouldn't they just you know used to not fact checking right
2: mm-hmm. sure Hey, listen! I'm, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. You know, I, I think
0: I think the reason it didn't make it into Congress because it didn't make it into the country. If it got even into an inch of the United States, it would have been a, like teleported into into the halls of the U.S. Congress, and a dinner. in there. Yeah, exactly. By <laughs>
2: a space laser.
1: A space laser.
2: Maybe. Who knows? <gasps> I mean, we're talking. We're gonna throw them all together.
1: Are right? are, are we now talking about UAPs?
2: You, oh, man,
1: unidentified anomalous phenomenon.
0: Is that what we're calling them now? I know that was in, in one of the called. stories. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah I not... just did a segue into our next article.
0: Yeah. Turns out there's just like a one stop shop at the Department of Homeland Security where you can see all the evidence of what are the UAPs and they're, they're no longer UFOs. We got copyright UAP now so that we can make money off this new intellectual property for the government. But you can find all of these phenomena that are unexplained. You can just find like weird pictures, what do they call them, like Tic Tacs and that kind of thing, just like weird things floating in space. What do we think about the United States government putting this up there so that everyone can see it?
1: I mean, I kind of like transparency. I'm all for it. Because they have people who are pilots for our military seeing these things, and they're, you know, reporting them. And so everything on this website, of course, is declassified. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty cool. You can see um, videos of things that have been observed. Um, I like the report. They have a report that they put out there on the website, which it kind of gives you, like, uh, a, a frame of, like, typically reported UAP characteristics, both like it's broken down into appearance. Looking at like what kind of size they typically see in these reports, the color of them, where they are in the sky, and how fast they're going. Which I think it's fascinating. If they're going from stationary to Mach two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah, pretty that's cool. Fast. Uh, yeah, it's a wide speed range. And then like what kind of propulsion? and yeah. transmission radio transmission maybe say, they're giving off
0: as the resident physicist here not me i'm talking to you now dr dean <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: well what? thanks for clarifying i yeah. knew you weren't talking to me
0: yeah <laughs> what are the materials that would be needed to go from stationary to mach 2 and not just obliterate the craft
1: oh like
0: okay. not even talking about the propulsion and energy needed to do that like how do you withstand that much force that quickly
1: Yeah. So we, I mean, we already have aircraft that go that fast, right? They break the sound barrier. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about like Mach 2, it's twice the speed of sound, which is 1500 miles per hour, super fast. So something that's lightweight, flexible, good at absorbing that kind of energy and stuff like that. So that's pretty fascinating. I think when they're looking at things going this speed range, and that the morphology of these is typically round <laughs> so sure. so yeah i just think it's pretty cool that they're like okay we're just gonna put it out here yeah and you can actually report things too to the website and you can you can go on there and see some of these videos too i didn't did any of you watch any of, of the videos
0: i've been watching so many of these videos yeah, i know the videos too, it's insane <laughs> yeah um, I do like how they have a little flow chart where it's like, you know, you're talking about different speeds and thing. And then if you get to the bottom of one side, it says swamp gas. And if you get to the bottom of the other side, it says weather balloon. So I, I like that. They're yes. still keeping that in, uh, <laughs> in the parlance of, of the
2: UAPs now. You know what I love is the fact that NASA has a UAP FAQ page, right? Yes. And, and <laughs> yes. NASA's like some of the questions that are you know frequently asked here um and the answers are gems like for example um will this be a national academy study no this will not be an <laughs> academy study right or is nasa conducting this study to support the department of defense's recently established all domain anomaly resolution office nasa is pursuing this study for the agency's own science and air safety purposes then it goes on and just says, however, the results, you know, will be publicly available for use. Right. But, um, I just love how, you know, these questions that are being asked, right. Which are clearly like coming from people who want all of this to be so true, right. Are answered exactly as they're asked.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Or what about this angle? We're now putting this on a government website behind a paywall is this like their way of becoming the supplier of stock images for all sci-fi things going forward and that becomes a new revenue source like hey you want that (laughs) you want that real video for your sequel your alien six sequel come to the u.s government we'll we'll uh we'll license that to you
2: for sure now let me ask you this Steffi: in the atmosphere in and around madison is a UAP an unidentified anomalous phenomenon really referred to instead as unidentified anomalous plasma?
1: Yes, exactly. So <laughs> I don't know. We don't have like little balls of plasma flowing around.
2: You should. Not yet.
1: We should. I don't know. You have problems if you have balls of plasma flowing around in our atmosphere. Like that is not natural. That but would have to be like. But you told us that happens every
0: time the aurora borealis happens, Steffi.
1: Yeah, that's like a. That's not like a localized thing. It's because of our way our magnetic field flows, and the way the particles flow along the magnetic field lines. It's more spread out, not highly localized. If we have a highly localized disruptions to our magnetic field of the earth, we got bigger problems.
2: We're going to have goodness,
1: <laughs>
2: goodness gracious, great balls of fire is what we'll have. Yes.
0: On that note, I think we're going to take a break and we're going to hear from not a podcast this time, but a podcasting platform that I think you're going to enjoy. <laughs>
1: You can find good pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening!
0: Understand the procedure now. Just stop a few of their machines and radios and telephones and lawnmowers. Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then... The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street is my favorite episode of The the Twilight Zone. And And I love it because it's the perfect portrayal of why we're terrified or fascinated by aliens. Extraterrestrials in popular fiction are a mirror for humanity to see our own dreams and nightmares. Basically, because they're not really a thing, they can be everything. They can stand in for indigenous humans faced with colonial invasion like the Avatar series, or they can stand in for the colonizing force like Independence Day. Aliens can be used to create and demonstrate the benefits of diversity and multiculturalism like we see in Star Trek, or demonstrate the worst of our own closed-minded xenophobia like we see also in Star Trek. Or, you know, like the average fan on a Star Wars subreddit, but that's a different conversation. Beings that originate on planets far from the earth are in some ways the most human of any beings in fiction. So let's talk about this phenomena.
2: Why are we afraid of aliens?
0: That's the question that I'm
2: posing to the class. Well, we fear what we don't understand. That's a well-known human phenomenon, right? So that's why we fear aliens we don't have a way of understanding it at this point because Mm -hmm. most of us haven't experienced it. Yeah. But we, we
0: jump to fear because I think we get, we get real ornery when we see something we don't understand. So we just assume aliens are going to do that too. Right?
1: Yeah. Didn't we cover a little bit about this in like the cryptid episode as well?
2: Again, they stand in for
1: the
0: fuzzy
2: parts of the map. But, you know, the thing that really bothers me about this NPR report that we read, which is very old at this point, it was just a way to get this conversation started, was that the argument was we have nothing to fear about aliens because four things, four conditions need to be satisfied for us to have a reason to fear our, quote, distant alien neighbors. And those reasons are that the aliens must have won develop technologies that allow them to travel or send targeted probes across interstellar distances two have spotted us as a desirable destination three have intent to explore space around them and four have evil intents Mm -hmm. but i argue that only one of those is necessary for us to fear are distant aliens and that is four have evil yeah. intents because right. by the time we recognize that there are aliens that need to be feared conditions one through three have already been met sure. and so yeah. that's taken out of the probability calculation now and we're talking about a 50 50 probability right are they evil or are they not evil and so that is a much higher probability than are they evil and have they also satisfied these other three conditions right i think we have more reason to fear than than not if we see them but until we till we reach that point like what is there to fear
1: yeah and then going you know before that i really liked this part of the article where it kind of goes through the process of it's really hard to have complex life forms form right so so that was pretty interesting and then Also bringing up the fact, like, not only is it hard to have complex life forms form, but we always think about how unique we are and how unique the Earth is in Mm -hmm. the conditions that we have to sustain life. But then they kind of go back through all of these space missions, exploratory missions where we sent probes out, who actually, they've actually, like, found many planets, that might fit Earth's criteria or, mm-hmm. you know, a wide range around to, for sustaining life. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Like that, that part of the article.
0: Right. Plus, you know, you think about the hugeness of the universe. Just the sheer numbers of, of everything. If we are the only planet that's capable of life. Like think about what the odds of that are based on based on the numbers. I don't I don't know where I'm going with that comment. I won't go to something else now. I won't go to a dark forest. Have you heard of the dark forest theory? This will put the fear back in aliens for you.
2: Okay. No, tell that... us about the tell us about the dark. What did you say? The dark the dark forest theory. It's based on the forest prisoners theory. forest. For oh forest. dark forest. Okay. Well now yeah. I'm actually way scared. I'm much more See, it's, scared now. It's right. Spooky. It's spooky. Yeah. Right. Well nobody likes Nobody likes a dark forest, but a dark force? Well, you can't see forces usually anyway, right? So,
0: well, you know, I'm gonna, we're gonna talk about everyone's favorite thing, which is theoretical mathematics, because this is based on the prisoner's dilemma from game theory. So there's, you know, where it's like, hey, just put the numbers theme song on because I feel like that guy, I know nothing about theoretical mathematics, but I do know that the dark forest is a very good book, and you should all read it because it's fun. But basically, this is the argument for the dark forest theory. All life desires to stay alive, which, you know, that seems pretty reasonable, right? And there is no way to know if other life forms can or will destroy you if given the chance. So, lacking assurances, the safest option for any species is to annihilate other life forms before they have a chance to do the same. So... Dark forest theory says, like, hey, uh, if you're in a dark forest, don't turn a big light on because you've just outed yourself.
2: That's probably true, but I take serious issue with the idea that every species just wants to survive, right? Because there's no time limit on this, sure. It's, you know, and really, what every species wants to do is just reproduce. Mm-hmm. As long as you get to that reproductive stage. And it doesn't really matter. Think about animals like locusts. The way that they're successful is by breeding in a way that we call masting. And what that means is that um, locusts supersaturate the environment with their offspring. So that way, you know, when a proportion of them are eaten by predators, it's overwhelming the predators with how much prey there is that the prey still survive to then get to their sexual reproductive stage in their development. Yeah, Really, they're not trying to kill their predators they're trying to have enough of their offspring to survive the predators so that they can pass their genes to the next generation you know i have some issues with that with uh, the dark forest theory that said i wouldn't turn on a light in a dark forest hell yeah
0: no. yeah, yeah so that's where the dark forest comes from in the dark forest don't make a campfire. And there's been a lot of arguments about like when we send the Voyager probe up with basically directions to earth and being like, this this is what's here. Also, I think we put some music on a golden uh, record too.
2: We did, Uh, but it wasn't the Grateful Dead. So you're not going to have horrors. I knew you were going to say that. I knew there's only so much room on a record, Jason. That's right. That's right. (laughs) You're
0: going to put half a song on it.
2: (laughs) Hey, it might be the best half of a song you've ever heard yeah yeah and then right. we just get although we could
0: get the fun aliens if we send dead up right right invite the guests you want Ooh, that's yeah. the new theory what's the most appropriate grateful dead song title for this theory that we're creating uh, right I now i don't
2: know wow i don't know um it's the dark star theory there we obviously.
0: go obviously okay there you go
2: obviously yeah so instead of a dark
0: forest it's the dark star I love this. Hey, we definitely get this published. I'm sure we put as much thought into this as a a theoretical mathematician puts into
2: their theory, right? Thank you all for prepping me for my uh, Congress. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Got my story straight. I think what
0: we're we're realizing is like, I don't know, maybe we got to be afraid of aliens. Maybe we don't. Maybe we got to be afraid of the things that we don't know about. Maybe just try to get through the day what i do know you've come to the end of another episode but don't worry we got more coming your way so make sure you follow us on social media if you want to follow me i'm on twitter at james underscore read three Steffi. where can everybody find you
1: you can find me uh some social media my handle is at Steffi deem some social media it's at starship and
0: sure brand, brand recognition yeah
2: Jason, where can everybody find you? You can find me on uh, Twitter, at OregonJM. Well, you can follow the show
0: at Pod and visit our home on the web, SciNight.com, for all of our social media, past episodes, links to the stories we talk about and the people we talk to, and our merch. There's so much to see. You can see it all at SciNight.com. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then... Have a great night. The Science Night Podcast is a proud member of the River Power Podcast Mill. To find out more about our shows, go to riverpower.xyz. Speaking of keystones, how about those eagles, right? (laughs) Yeah.